Hello, my friends. Once again, you have reached the real dirt. We have conversations about cannabis with cannabis experts from all over the cannabis industry. On today's episode, we're going to talk about my recent trip to Europe, where I checked out a lot of the hemp and cannabis industry. Really got to make some observations of the changes that have been going on there in the past 10 years or so. I used to go to Europe a bunch. We went to Amsterdam God, dozens of times between 99 and 2010 and 11. It used to be the place we'd hang out. We had friends there and I don't know. We just really liked the open environment of legal cannabis, legal-ish cannabis, gray market cannabis. And uh, to tell you the truth, Amsterdam is just a really cool city. So I've spent a bunch of time there over the years and since 2010 or 11, I think that was the last time we had been. So we just come back. We were headed to Croatia to, it's kind of hard to explain exactly what it is, a business conference that was in Croatia. It's part of this great group I'm a member of, Baby Bathwater. Check it out. If you're an entrepreneur, business person, marketer, and you want to get involved with a group of interesting people, yeah, man, check them out. We do lots of great things all over the world. And it's basically a, an environment where you get to chat with other high-level entrepreneurs, business people of all sorts of businesses, and uh, learn about they, their businesses. You learn about yours. It's an incredibly educational event and quite a good time. Baby Bathwater asked me to come to this thing, and I, uh, of course, said yes. So me and Jess, my wife, we uh, packed up the dog, sent her to the kennel, hopped on a plane, Flew 14 hours to Amsterdam or in Amsterdam for a couple of days. We got to Amsterdam early in the morning, as we always seem to. And I don't know why we do this, because you're up all night and you don't sleep. And I can't sleep on a plane. And you show up in Amsterdam at like 7 in the morning. You start smoking all this weed and, you know, or walking around, which is the other great thing to do. Just check out the city and wander around. By the end of the day, you're usually pretty socked. Amsterdam's changed a lot since the last time we were there. They've had a more conservative government. They've definitely regulated cannabis more. Coffee shop industry's regulated more. They've really regulated, well, less, they've given out less licenses. They've reduced the number of coffee shops by almost half since um, maybe 2007 or eight. There's less than 200 coffee shops in Amsterdam City now. And, and they've kind of pushed them over into like, you know, a couple of specific areas. The Harlemstraat area, there's there are dozens of cannabis coffee shops. They refer to it as a green light area as opposed to the red light area, which they've also pushed all of that into one location as well, where both of these things used to just be spread out all over the city and whatever zoning allowed them. And there are still coffee shops all over the city randomly, but uh, there are quite a few over in the Harlem Strat district now. Several have gone out of business, moved on. The Rooker Eye, that was one of my favorites. Uh, that's gone out of business but a great place has opened up in this place called the Coffee Shop Amsterdam, uh, formerly owned by the Damp Kring, or owned by the Damp Kring, the founder and former owner. There were lines out the door at some of these places, like the gray area. Holy hell, man. I have never seen the lines out of this place. Damp Kring, lines. You know, Tweed Commer, lines, like, greenhouse oh my god lines of people it was incredible at the volume of people that were in line here it really gave me hope for what's going on right now with u.s cannabis 
the demand has just looks appears to me has skyrocketed over there. Uh, even though they've they've regulated it to like less shops, and I guess you know if you have half as many shops and you've got twice as much business. The other thing that impressed me was the weed quality's gotten way better. We used to always bring our weed to Amsterdam, and you can get awesome weed there now. Awesome California, Colorado style weed. They've got. You know, all the strains that we grow over here, they're growing them well now. They used to kind of grow them shitty. I shouldn't say shitty. That was just a variation and a, a differencing of opinion on what great weed was because they had all these small producers. Now, they don't have all the small growth so much in the city of Amsterdam. Many of those have been shut down and all the weeds imported from larger grows outside the area. What I mean by larger grows is in Amsterdam, you used to only run in, the, in, a, in a house in Amsterdam. You could run 13,000 or 13,600 watts lamps. That was their big lamps, 600 watts. They don't have thousands, but you could run 13 of them. And that was a standard size grow room. There was just hundreds of hundreds around the city. So the growing's been pushed out. They regulated that really bad or really well, I should say. They cracked down on people, on smell and power usage pushed it outside the city, north of the city, the rural areas, uh, the industrial areas, the warehouses, the farms. So lots produced in Amsterdam. And, you know, there's there's also a lot that comes from, from Spain and Switzerland still and other places throughout Europe. There are indoor grows, mostly indoor grows, set up all over Europe, and they're importing into Amsterdam to the coffee shops. Now, that's part of the gray area I was kind of talking about, uh, not the coffee shop, but the movement is that they only regulate the retail sale of the product and not the agricultural production of it, which is kind of interesting way to think about it. But you can just come up the weed, however, that's not regulated. And it's just the taxation on the sale to the consumer that that is important to the Dutch government. So they still have import hash. They don't have, uh, they have import weed. They have import weed from California. Literally, I saw at one place $35 a gram for import California weed. Almost bought some, just two. But uh, yeah, it's valued highly over there. They had 17 euro, and those are 35 euro a, a gram, 17 euro a gram Gorilla Glue. Also, the price of, of cannabis is still as high as it was the last time I was there, the first time I was there. First time I was there, it was like 8 to 17 euro. Well, I guess I was back before it was euro, maybe not the first time I was there. But when I was there in the early days, it was like 9 to 17 euro a gram. And it's kind of still that price. Lots of $12 gram product there, 12 euro gram product. Really managed to keep the price high on the retail side. The wholesale production price, though, has dropped considerably. And for most people, it's down to 2,000 euro a kilo, which is pretty, which is pretty cheap. I, I remember it being 7,000 euro a kilo at some point. They also still reward you for growing longer season strains. If you have long season strains, you, you can get more money for it. And the most expensive stuff we bought was, I think, Dr. Grinspoon, Super long season sativa, and dude, that was like 20 euro a gram or something. 22, 22 euro. It was great, Dave, by the way. Great. Yeah, man. I think uh, one thing I got out of all that was the retail shops, they need to put on their game, dude. They need to get, 
only get great weed. They're growing shitty weed. They need to stop. They need to only buy top tier weed and charge top dollar for it. I mean, as a consumer, we'll pay more for the best weed. I don't want to the cheapest shit. I don't care about that. I want the best weed. Always looking for the best weed. Right. And other people are like that too. And sometimes, you know, there's Coors Light and Budweiser, nothing against those products, but it's just an example of a 3.2 alcohol content. You want just a lower grade weed. Right. And, and I, I get that. Many people, that's what they would need. Right. There's others of us that want something different. And, man, I, I really think dispensaries in Colorado, California, Washington, Oregon, you know, Utah, Nevada, oh, well, not Utah, but Nevada, Arizona. Think about making that top quality weed and selling it for top dollar and not just saying I'm going to undercut the competition. Most people's only business move is to sell it cheaper. Well, fuck that. How about better service, better product, and, you know, charge market value for it instead of just like race to the bottom. I mean, that hurts everybody. If you're a dispensary owner out there, a ganja grower out there, listen up. Hey, listen up. Don't just pull your pants down all the way to your ankles to sell your weed. Make a better product. Have better service. Have better packaging, right? Don't just make shit up, man. Make it be good and sell it for market value. And you'll appreciate yourself. You'll appreciate the product. And others will appreciate you for that too. Not just claiming you have the best and trying to sell it for cheap. Like, don't do that. Please stop it. If you're doing it now, stop it. Stop it. Please stop it. There's enough shitty weed in the world. We don't need more. So Amsterdam for two days. Had all the delights, all the food, all the city lights, all the uh, outside cafes. It was great. And then we hopped a plane, went to Croatia, private island. It was like a Boy Scout camp, upscale Boy Scout camp for this baby bathwater event. And there I ran into Mike Liego. And me and Mike had a great conversation about hemp and what's going on in Europe. He went and saw some big operations producing CBG and CBD product. And uh, we smoked quite a bit of it. Mike's a great guy. He's part of International Hemp Exchange. If you're a commercial hemp grower or interested in commercial hemp, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to sell your hemp, your hemp seeds, and your other hemp products on wholesale or retail. It's a really interesting organization, and you should check it out. International Hemp Exchange. I've got a few different episodes where I, where I talk to these guys, but I'm really fascinated with hemp. So me and Mike happened to be both be a part of this group. I got him involved, and he, he met up with me there, and he had some awesome nuggets of CBG and CBD hash. And we sat in this great little amphitheater. Let's cut a stone overlooking the Adriatic Sea and, and have this really great talk about hemp, cannabis in the U.S. and cannabis in Europe. As soon as we got there, I met up with one of the guys who invited me to this thing, had met up with the, the local grower on the island. And we dubbed this weed the goat herder. And it appeared to me it was like an Afghan skunk, maybe. But uh, it was actually really great weed, better than the last couple of sacks that I bought. Goat herder. You can look it up on our uh, Instagram account, Real Dirt uh, Podcast Instagram. Um, but man, this shit looked great. It looked as good as any. I mean, people would be proud to have this sack, right? It was like 60 bucks an ounce or something, super cheap. Me and Mike sat back. We smoked on Goat Herder and uh, talked about the, the cannabis industry. 
It is alive and thriving in Europe. It's grown widely through Eastern Europe. The EU has really embraced hemp for a number of years. That's where tons of the agricultural resources and information and tons of the genetics all come from. It's really a birthplace of modern hemp and historic hemp. We talked to people from Romania. They weren't farming anymore, but their family had farmed for years and they still had the lands where their grandfather grew hemp. And they just have this like generational history of, of this type of stuff. And it's, it's really amazing to me that it's all coming back. And this once lost crop, thought to be maybe forgotten, abandoned even, is coming back in, in full force all over the world. So, uh, hey man, sit back, fire one up, listen to this next episode of The Real Dirt Podcast. And you can download this on iTunes at the Real Dirt Podcast or on our website, realdirtpodcast.com. You can just listen to it directly there. But uh, yeah, man, enjoy this episode. If you're interested in hemp, I've got a bunch more hemp stuff coming up soon. So yeah, man, just uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy Real Dirt. Real Dirt. Today I'm hanging out in uh, some place I can't quite pronounce the name in Croatia. I'm here with uh, Mike Luego. Say hi, Mike. Hey, Chip. It's Mike Liago, by the way. Fuck. God. God damn, let's just... All right. That's all right. We can, we can keep it going. Uh, man, I feel like you just gave me this look. <laughs> right. And and I, I feel I feel. Well, so last bad. time it was over the phone, so I didn't get a chance to give you the look. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, so me and Mike are here in Croatia. Beautiful Croatia, by the way. Beautiful Croatia. I uh, never thought it... Honestly, yeah, I guess Americans, we supposedly don't know much about geography. And uh, <laughs> most of my friends had no idea where Croatia was. Did you know where Croatia was when we decided to come here? Yes, because when I was thinking about coming here, I found out where Croatia was. Oh, oh right, right. <laughs> totally. Well, I did something similar and someone told me, oh, it's on the Adriatic Sea and... We're here at this uh, event that's the Baby Bathwater first European event. And Baby Bathwater, it kind of don't even quite know what it is that we do here, but it's it's a bunch of entrepreneurs and marketers, and it's uh, highly curated, and we all get together and, and we talk about uh, what's going on in our businesses and swap uh, trade secrets so uh, we can learn how to market to our customers better and, and build better businesses. And me and Mike were both part of this group, and they just happened to have an event here in Croatia, so uh, I think we both decided what the hell. Absolutely. Right. Why not come to Croatia? Yeah, so, you know, perfect opportunity to talk about European hemp, European cannabis. It's a hot topic right now. It's everywhere. I flew into Amsterdam, where it's uh, full of uh, European cannabis, and, and you came into... Well, I uh, came into Croatia via France, but into Zagreb, met some farmers, met some producers, saw some of the landscape between here and there, and have been very impressed with 
uh, what's going on and what we continue to hear about it. You've been to Europe before? I have. Right. I think I came to Amsterdam to Europe the first time in like maybe 2001. You know, I was just going to stop over in Amsterdam for a couple of days. I stayed three months. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Shocker. Totally. Imagine that. Europe really pioneered the legal cannabis movement, whether it was hemp or whether it was ganja. In many ways, they pioneered it. Europeans were some of the first people to breed the seeds that we have for hemp and uh, modern-day cannabis. They may have come from other places, but they, they came to Europe, to Amsterdam, to the Netherlands, to Romania, Czechoslovakia, and hemp industry and ganja industry have grown up in the past 25, 30 years. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it seems like long before any of these other countries and and cities were a hot topic of discussion. It was always the Netherlands and Amsterdam. There's a lot of lessons to be learned here from Europe's 20, 30 years in the cannabis business. You know, everyone says in you know, that it's just starting in the U.S., or maybe some people say it's over with in the U.S. Um, you know, it all depends on your perspective. Uh, but there's a, a lot of lessons uh, that, that we can learn about industrial agriculture and scalability. Tell us what's been going on here. You came and saw some hemp people. Yes, came and met with some hemp people and uh, talked to some farmers, saw some of the, the farming landscape, processing facilities, and some of the chemists that are involved in the hemp industry, and learned more about how they've been involved in, in taking hemp to the uh, next level that we're now experiencing in the U.S., which is cannabinoid extraction and looking at hemp as medicine and more than just fiber and fuel and all the other uses that are equally amazing, if not more amazing, but pioneering this next step, which is growing hemp and extracting cannabinoids and getting it out to the masses to help with a variety of things that are going on right now. So it's remarkable. And, you know, I think it's it's interesting to see how it's kind of been cyclical, too, because Europe was pioneering for a long time. And then the U.S. has been pioneering now for a while on the marijuana side. And again, now as uh, the hemp industry is emerging, uh, really paving the way and pioneering, but building upon what, you know, we were able to get from Europe and, uh, you know, kind of stand on the shoulders of what happened here to take it uh, even further. And then we see it again where, you know, things seem to be kind of slowing down in in Amsterdam and the Netherlands perhaps, but there's a resurgence in countries like Spain and uh, dispensaries opening up and markets that are really starting to run wild and embrace legalization and the plant in different ways. So it's interesting because it's, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And a lot of it's just shifting around and taking what's been known by a lot of people for a long time and uh, really empowering the masses now with this information and uh, access more than anything. So speaking of access, do you know how the the regulation of hemp works here? You know, I I know a bit about it. I'm uh, far from an expert, but... It's more treated just like an agricultural crop. There's very little regulations. Yes, with hemp. And then it, as long as it's fallen beneath the uh, the THC thresholds, yes. But I think we're also seeing a trend uh, emerge in Europe where they're looking now at cannabis as, as cannabis, whether it's hemp or marijuana, and just setting a, a boundary. Not really treating it so much as here's hemp, here's marijuana, but 
you know, it's cannabis and above a certain percentage is intoxicating or recreational percentage is hemp and uh, what is done with it when it's hemp is, you know, kind of free reign. Many people feel like they're over-regulating cannabis in the U.S. and I do believe that it needs some regulation, but, uh, you know, Europe and, and Asia have, a, have an incredible hemp industry with little or no regulation and I think we need to, like, look at that and not be so puritanical. I understand how ganja is an intoxicant. You know, it, it, it's, it may need to be regulated. Access may need to be regulated. But cultivation, that doesn't need to be restricted as much as it's restricted. However, I do believe that for a sustainable economy, they need to restrict the number of licenses given in the U.S., because there's just so much room there to grow, it's, it's easily flooding the market. And we see it right now with inexpensive cannabis. In Amsterdam, I was just there, and they had 10 and 12 and 17 euro grams, right? And when I was there in 2001, that was the same price. Now, the, the wholesale price of cannabis has gone down significantly in Amsterdam, but the retail prices really remained the same. And I'm not sure how we can do it or if it's even possible, but man, we really need to keep the value up to sustain the industry or else we're just going to end up with just commercial grade cannabis. And it's already harder and harder and harder to find like great quality product in, in the U.S. now. Do you see the same thing happen with hemp in the U.S.? I think this is going to be a really interesting year or a couple years in hemp because we have a lot of people jumping in and going big. People look at it as, you know, it's just it's another agricultural crop. Maybe we've done it with cannabis. Maybe we've done it with another uh, crop before. But getting it started, growing it is is kind of the easy part when it comes to hemp. It's what are you going to do at the end of the season if you've got this massive operation? And that's when things can really start to fall apart. So that was a big topic of conversation with uh, some of the gentlemen that I met with over here is just the learning curve and kind of operating procedures that these companies need to get in place. And it seems like a lot of companies are, are jumping in and going pretty large. And we've both seen it on the marijuana side where sometimes just having a, a large bank account and a good business plan isn't going to be enough. You know, you, you need to uh, learn as you go. There's uh, experiential growth that's going to happen and a learning curve just like anything. So You know, the thing I love about cannabis is everybody thinks they're going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And everybody thinks that so many people, so many people think that they're going to bring this special sauce to it. And many of them do in some way. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's just this amazing thing that when people come to it, they it's almost like it's like a mountain they're going to climb. They're going to be the first person to really climb it. Yeah. A lot of people trying to, uh, you know, plant their flag in the ground right now. So, yeah, we'll see. But I I think we're going to have an overproduction. I think we're going to have an interesting production. And at the end of the day, once the dust settles, I think it's all going to disappear and the demand's going to continue to grow. On the hemp and the ganja side, we're definitely going to see seasonal price shifts. We're already seeing it happen. Um, In the fall time, when the outdoor harvests come in and the greenhouse harvests are at their highest weight, because you can grow in cannabis and greenhouses all year long, but they get at their highest yields and highest weights in the fall. When all of that comes in at once, whether it's hemp or ganja, the price drops, right? And on our previous show, we talked about how uh, last year it was down to like maybe 10 and $20 a pound in the fall, and today it's back up to like 75 to $100. Right. 
that's what the scale of agriculture does is people are able to outgrow their infrastructure to dry and sell and process it. Right. So they flood the market and then it's a short term stored product. So it just goes away. Yeah. And you, you, got, you want to get rid of it before the next one comes. So the, the pricing, you know, continues to fluctuate. But now we're seeing supply start to dwindle up. Well, you know, in the fall, there was a lot of groups didn't know what to do with it. And demand just continues to grow. And, you know, we've only got one growing season for most of the states in the U.S. right now. But, yeah, it's fluctuating, and who knows what's going to come this year, but there's a lot more seeds going in the ground. There's a lot more clones going in the ground. We have more states coming online each week. And then we've got the what's happening over here in Europe um, and them trying to uh, gauge what's happening in the global scale, on the local scale, and uh, there's a lot of moving pieces right now. So it's, it's kind of fascinating to interact with people that are seeing different markets and uh, different perspectives on all this. So they sell hemp for CBD and, and other cannabinoid extracts. Uh, do, do you know what the, the value of it here is? On the, for biomass and flour, uh, it seems to be a lot lower. I, I recently found out, too, that there's a lot of economic uh, processing available to uh, extract the CBD over here. And there's a there's pretty good market, and there's more emerging uh, within Europe. So most of the product that I was uh, seeing and hearing about is being sold to the European market. They're now looking at expansion, and if there's ways to tap into the American market and uh, Central American, South American, Canadian, uh, more opportunities emerging every week, it seems. And it's becoming an international marketplace now. It's totally an international marketplace, and you know for. Uh, most of the product that's cons- are produced, it's very seasonal. So there's a lot of forecasting that comes into play, uh, logistics for, you know, how is the harvesting and processing going to occur? Uh, so much of this is still being done by hand, even over here in Europe, where they've got quite a bit of a head start and have access to more equipment. Uh, certain parts of this have uh, yet to be uh, automated. So, How much volume were they growing, this organization you ran into? One of the groups is doing about 1,000 hectares. So that's, I think, about two and a half acres per hectare. So, you know, 2,500 acres. Mm-hmm. The other was doing about 400. Right. And, and mostly here in Europe, it's been a fiber industry. Correct. But these groups have been only doing extraction. And only doing extraction. And they've been doing it for several years. Yes, five what, or six years Interesting, now. in the U.S., it's almost all, you know, extraction, right, for the acreage. And uh, there's less fiber production or use of the fiber. Correct, in yeah. In the industrial setting. It, uh, you know, we just lack the infrastructure and equipment necessary to really take advantage of the fiber right now in the U.S. And I actually just saw something interesting the other day that it sounds like there's even a group or, or a couple groups in Colorado that are saying they're decorticating and actually not decorticating and ruining a lot of uh you know, potential fiber material from farmers. And again, it's, there's, there's people jumping into this right now and uh, opportunities really need to be vetted. And sometimes if it sounds too good to be true, uh, you know, it just might be. Too good to be true. Uh. (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, Amsterdam has really survived on imports of cannabis and hashish. In the past... Legal imports? You know, there's the thing. There's the thing. It is we all think that Amsterdam's a legal market, but it's really just legal to, like, sell it and smoke it. 
so it's not legal to produce it there. So there's right. this huge gray it shows up area, and then it can be sold. Yeah, it's, and, and thus uh, one of the popular coffee shops name is the gray area, and cannabis is imported from all over the world there. I even saw cannabis from California being sold at shops there there in uh, in Amsterdam. So I saw places in Amsterdam that had California cannabis for sale for $35 a gram. Whoa. Right, 35 Whoa. bucks a gram. And now that's a true <clears throat> international ganja economy, right? But we're not exporting ganja anymore throughout the world. It's mostly like grown in the location that it's smoked or near the location that it's smoked, especially in the legal industry in the United States. But it's different for hemp. We can right. import and export it. Well, it's it's been, you know, like the uh, coffee shop, a bit of a gray area. And we think that we're seeing some clarification now from the DEA and with legislation that's coming down the pipeline. So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the DEA made an announcement and put something up on their website, uh, basically uh, saying that they're telling their agents to stand down from... Uh, hemp and CBD, uh, not to pursue it at all, and that they're going to allow uh, import and export of it, um, at least in, in some regards. So while we're still seeking some clarification on this, it does seem to be a major step in the right direction, and I think it's a bit of foreshadowing for the uh, legalization that's bound to happen later this year and the true global market that is emerging and is going to be you know, legal. So... Uh, the, the, the global cannabis market is here and it's here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, you know, I, th- I think it's time for us to uh, pack up some of this uh, good Moroccan I found and maybe smoke some of this local Croatian weed. How about that, Mike? I think that sounds like a pretty good plan here, Chip. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been uh, Chip and Mike. Thanks for joining me today on The Real Dirt. If you like this episode, please download it and others at therealdirt.com or on iTunes, The Real Dirt Podcast. And check Mike out at the International Hemp Exchange. And is there any other contact we got for you? Mike at ihempx.com. If you got any questions or comments about this or are thinking about getting into to hemp ihempx.com reach out to us feel free we're uh, touching base all over the world right now and trying to connect people across the globe to continue developing this great industry awesome mike well hey man good to see you on this side of the world and maybe we'll talk again about hemp in the fall when the harvest comes i'm sure we will all right maybe in a couple different formats hey, too you, you want to go over under on the price per pound of hemp man i think that's like Impossible. I think that we're going to see new lows and new highs. So that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> In the awesome. same season. The same What's season. going on here? Awesome. This is Chip from The Real Dirt. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.